All right. Welcome back to another episode of Buffum Updates with myself. I'm Big Dog Chico, and I got my guy Adam Mustard Tiger with me. You are here tuning in to Buffum Updates with Adam and Chico. How's it going, Adam? It's going excellent. Uh, the day after the Super Bowl, though, I don't know about you. I'm always a little bit sluggish. I uh, ate a little bit more than I was planning to yesterday. So uh, starting to kind of get, get back to normal, but it, it was it was a slow go this morning. Yes, yes, definitely was. I understand that definitely was a slow go for multiple different reasons, but uh, <laughs> we're here to go, ready to go right now as we're going to dive right into it, give a, a quick Super Bowl recap on what you thought. And, um, you know, I can give my thoughts on what I thought, but just off the top, you know, you got to win. Another win for the Chiefs, back-to-back, 25-22 to over the 49ers. Were you going for any team, or were you just looking for a good game? Not really. Uh, and I love the NFL. Like, that was my first passion as a kid. But when I got into this line of work because I'm traveling during the season or I'm re-watching the CU game if it's a home game or I'm spending time with, with the family uh, on the weekend after covering some games, I, I don't have as much time to watch – the NFL as I used to. Uh, so it's kind of fun just to sit down, uh, being in sports journalism to just be a, a fan for a day. And so uh, I don't bet a whole lot, but I will bet on the Super Bowl. And so I was kind of torn. And I, I, the more I thought of it leading up to the game, Chico, it, Patrick Mahomes having a, a plus money line, that, that made the decision for me. And so that's what I was rooting for yesterday. I, uh, I'm more of a win in Rome type of gambler. Like I'll, I'll bet when we're in Vegas or uh, for the Super Bowl, not not all the time. But that that's a day where I enjoy doing some, some of the prop bets. And so I had fun with some of that. And it, it turned out to be a profitable day for me. So so I was happy from, from that standpoint. And, you know, it, it was a boring beginning to the game. But it got going. Even the halftime show with Usher was awesome. Uh, even the Usher halftime show was kind of a microcosm of the game. It was kind of a slow start to it, and it really uh, got going and, and became a really entertaining deal. And so uh, it was it was a, a fun Sunday night, just kind of vegging out on the couch or at home with, with some family watching with me. Definitely, yeah, I, I had fun watching it also. Slow start, like you said, with the zero um, zero score in the first quarter, and then you know you saw. I heard I heard someone say that. If you're a team playing the Chiefs and you get out to a lead, man, it's all it's all about how much you can get out. Once you get the momentum, it's about how far you can get out. As long as Patrick Mahomes can see your taillights, then you're in trouble because he he has that thing about him that he's just going to perform when the going gets tough and in crunch time, and he's going to be able to make those plays. So once I saw San Francisco not capitalizing on a few things, taking points off of the board, both teams had fumbles and turnovers, but – uh, the Chiefs were just able to capitalize on them a lot more than what the 49ers did. And that defense stepped up when they needed to step up, making some big plays, getting some pressure on Brock Purdy, making him have some errant throws to the ground. And then uh, a timely runs by Pacheco and then that just that combination, which we'll get more into because we'll talk about some choice routes. That combination with <laughs> um, uh, Mahomes and Kelsey just came alive in that second half and kind of like what I predicted, even though they were saying on my live stream that I sound like an undercover Chiefs fan. I didn't have a dog in the fight. <laughs> I just wanted to see a good good game, which it ended up turning out to be three-point win for the Chiefs back-to-back. So, yeah, I enjoyed it also, man. Aside from the missed extra point, I mean, it was some really 
top level special teams play happening in that football yeah. game as well from from the coverage units to Kansas City's punter when when the Chiefs couldn't get it going I mean there were times when they really could have given up field position and he was kind of an uh, underrated hero in, in that football game as well so just a, just an entertaining game especially if you weren't a 49ers fan if you're a 49ers fan that, that had to rip your heart out yeah I mean I had some 49er fans that I saw that was actually crying I had I had one like I told you I still got this cup right here I had a cup <laughs> that I debuted last night I usually don't buy team stuff but uh this was actually given to me by a 49er fanatic and they were devastated after the loss I've seen people crash TVs on social media and 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 all type of burn jerseys like damn y'all made it to the Super Bowl man you know relax <laughs> <laughs> so they had a great team and um I still think they have a chance to get back if Brock Purdy can improve and continue to improve, then you know they'll be here for years to come, I think. And one other thing that I enjoy being a 44-year-old is that it's kind of like the generation that's making the commercials and deciding who's going to perform at halftime of the Super Bowl. It, it's all right in my wheelhouse. And, and there's stuff I, I would imagine those commercials where like the younger generations are like, why is Arnold Schwarzenegger and Danny DeVito sitting together in a commercial? It's like, it's kind of a fun inside deal when, when uh, you're a certain age because uh, uh, we, we've rose in stature to the point where we get to call the shots now. And so there's going to be some day, Chico, where they announce this, the halftime show. I'm going to say, who the heck is that? Yeah. And until then, I'm going to enjoy this ride because Usher, I mean, he's 45. And so his hits came out when I was late in high school, college, right out of college. And for some reason, music just hits different than I think it's because you associate it with memories of, of where you're at and who you're hanging out with. And yeah. so th that part of it, it's cool too. It's, it's fun to be middle-aged watching the Super Bowl right now. Exactly. You hit it right on the head too. And uh shouts out to Usher for his performance and Alicia Keys and Jermaine Dupri and everybody, Ludacris and Lil Jon, everybody else who made an appearance during that legendary performance. I see people saying that's top three already behind Michael Jackson, Prince and above Beyonce. They're saying that Usher is right up there. So, hey, shout out to Usher or Usher as we call him. <laughs> and, uh, but it was very entertaining, like you said. And so that moves us to our next subject, our next segment or, or section, whatever should I say. And that goes right here. Coach Prime shares the spotlight. And I've seen pictures of him uh, with his sons on the, on the red carpets and in media row, but I also saw pictures with players like Jordan Seaton, uh, Chidozi Wonkwo, uh, Preston Hodge was there, uh, Jimmy Horn Jr., and, and probably a couple of others were there on that red carpet. Coach Prime could have went by himself. He could have went just him and his boys. But I got where he also invited Travis, but of course Travis, you know, declined it. But he bring all of these guys to share this spotlight with him. You know, that shows kind of like his mindset and what he's doing to help these guys, whether it's NIL, just visibility, and so on. I think it helps out with recruiting in the long run. What do you feel about Coach Prime sharing the spotlight during Super Bowl week? For whatever reason, everything that happens during the Coach Prime era gets a little pushback, and not a whole lot in this sense. Um, but anybody that has a problem with those guys being out there, you don't understand the big picture. That is huge for Colorado and its exposure with recruiting especially. Uh, yeah, NIL is something that is not going to just easily come at Colorado. Now, the 5430 Foundation is doing a fantastic job. Bus for Life is is uh, another outlet to be able to 
donate to specific athletes and programs. And that's great. But we know that Colorado is not on level footing with a lot of programs that uh, want to compete for a college football playoff berth going forward. The Florida States, the Texas of the world, Alabama, you know, you, the list goes on. So to have opportunities that you can present to guys like this to make NIL money the way that it was designed to be made mm -hmm. by your name, image, and likeness, as opposed to here's a signing bonus. Uh, that's what collectives are right now. And um, because the NCAA has decided that they're not going to enforce anything, it's going to continue to be that way until somebody, some type of leadership steps up. And so if you're Colorado, if you're Coach Prime in, in, in this environment, having guys be able to go out to Vegas and get publicity and draw eyes on the Colorado. It's huge. It, it really is a big deal. It's even bigger than the Paris uh, fashion week, because what you're doing is you're really hitting to the heart of these young people that are in high school right now that see these Colorado athletes on a big stage and say, I want to be that one day. I want to be under coach prime's wing and get this opportunity someday. So it, it was cool to see those guys out there. And, and I think that's, uh, if you have any issue with that, you, you don't understand why Colorado is going to be successful under Coach Prime. And it's things like this that attract talent to Boulder. Exactly. And I think it also shows that it's not just his sons getting the spotlight. A lot of people say, oh, it's just his son and then Travis getting the spotlight. No, you've seen big Jordan seats in there. You've seen the other guys that I named there looking just as good, you know, and that's kind of showing like the well, you can see possibly the future after Shiloh and Shadur is gone that – Coach Prime would still have his dogs around him that he treats just like his sons, you know, in the in the years to come in Colorado. And this was off subject. I just thought about it because we said it on my live. But just imagine if somehow, some way, Shadur and Shiloh get picked up by the Denver Broncos. Whew. That's a whole other story. We'll talk about that later on. Maybe that's another. <laughs> that's what Bucks fans want because that, that's an extra incentive for Coach Prime to stick around, right? Oh yeah, and I think he will anyway. But that, oh, if they're right down the road, and oh my gosh, come on, dog! I, I, I know he'll love that. So <laughs> he he'll be willing to, um, I guess, just like you said, continue to stay there and and probably house hunt some more and find the perfect spot for him right there in the Colorado Boulder Denver area. Yeah, I like where he was looking down in Golden. Uh, I would imagine he's not going to pick that house because they, they they showed it. I'd imagine the house he he actually purchases, they're going to be a little bit uh, more discreet about it. But that's a beautiful drive up 93 from Golden to, to Boulder. Right now he's in Longmont, and there's some good things about Longmont as well. There's, there's quite a bit of open space on the north end where he is. But uh, I think he can do better, and I, I think he's looking to, to do better. Yeah. That, that was one of those ones where, like you said, I don't think they'll have it out there in the public, but it was good. Hey, we could put this. This good content. You know, this is a beautiful house, beautiful. But I don't know about making that trek all the way up that that highway. And, you know, I don't know if he'll want that, but he might want to be that secluded. And it, it, to be that secluded, you're going to have to make that, that long trek. It's going to be a few miles to get there. Um, I heard, I saw that they said that that property was probably like 11 to 15 miles straight away from the campus but because of all the winding roads and stuff it takes like an hour to get there so <laughs> that shows you the, the back roads and things of that nature up there you're not going to find a better more beautiful drive into boulder if you're going to spend an hour in a car that's where you want to be because it, it, it is basically driving along the base of the rocky mountains to the flat irons the whole way which is kind of cool but 
if it's a windy day, it can get a little dicey on that road. You got to make sure you got some good tires. I bet. Man, I drove up to um, Big, what is it, Big Bear Mountain or something like that in California once. Yeah. And my gosh. We were going on the side. It was winding. Oh, man. I was I was like, I'm going up the hill. How am I going to get back down? Is I got to drive back down. <laughs> <laughs> it's not quite like that. It's really pretty much a straight shoot. Just You're basically driving next to the mountains, not in them. Uh, but there are some roads, uh, if you ever spend some time in Golden, and I recommend anybody that, that has some time out in Colorado too, uh, if you like beer, that's where the, the Coors Brewing factory is, and they they do a tour. They give you free beer, and there's a lot of good restaurants in that that old street of Golden. But uh, there's, a, there's a mountain you'll notice with an M on it, and that's for the Colorado School of Mines, which is a, a big engineering school. And you'll see paragliders off that mountain and you can take a road up there and it's exactly what you're describing you're you're dizzy by the time you get to the top of that thing uh i, I would imagine uh that uh coach prime w w would definitely quickly rule that out if he had to do that on his way to work but that's a pretty straight shot up to boulder from there so right. i don't know we'll see where he he ends up long term there, there's worse places to be in colorado than golden that's for sure there you go all right and he had, he made an announcement as he was interviewed with Lil Wayne on his Apple Music podcast, and also Skip Bayless made an appearance there also. Um, he said this, and do I have it teed up right here? But he basically said that he's looking to do a prime weekend um, in, in Colorado during the spring game. And it's kind of like something I was thinking about could happen in Colorado based off the fact that there's so many people there and, uh, you know, it's just so much of opportunity there to do some type of event with all the people that's coming in. Um, he made these comments on Little Wayne's show. I'm going to see if I can pull it up here so we can listen to it. And then you let me know what you think about what he said right here. All right. Weekend. Okay. We having a fashion show Thursday. Something for the boosters on uh on Friday in the game on Saturday, we're doing an after party. Yeah. You know, his black, white, black, and Hispanic DJs. Okay. We're gonna cover everybody. Okay. And then uh after the game, we're doing something with the uh alumni, but also maybe at halftime in the game or at right at the end of the game on the rooftop, yeah. we're gonna have uh somebody it's going down. It's going down. Okay. Oh, it's yeah. going up because it's on yeah, the rooftop. Yeah, but we may cut that into the game. Okay. So that could be seen within millions of viewers. And you too. say you say you got black, white, and Hispanic. Yeah, yeah, we're we gonna cover everybody. So there will be some Taylor Swift play. Yeah, okay. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, Chico, if if I get invited to these events, my uh, my opinion is bubbly and, and over the top excited, but uh, even if I don't get invited, obviously it's a, a great idea because you saw all these celebrities roll through Boulder during the football season, and they got games to play. They got to stay focused, and so the interactions with those celebrities have to be pretty brief. And so a spring game, yeah, it's it's a glorified practice. You you can have some fun with it. You should have some fun with it. College football is supposed to be fun. It should be uh, a fun event for the players and for the fans. And so the, the more you can uh, up the entertainment value, the better. And uh, I'm anxious to hear even more of how this is all going to lay out. Last year there was uh, snow during the spring game. And so the, hopefully we'll, we'll get beautiful weather and – we're going to talk about 2025 recruiting a little bit later, 
I've also heard that Colorado has held off on some visits with some recruits and they have hosted some guys in the 2025 class, but they really want to bring out the bulk of them for the spring game because it is going to be such an event. And, uh, you know, I, I think that's, that's great for recruiting as well. And, uh, I just hope my invite doesn't get lost in the mail. <laughs> right. That's going to be huge for recruiting, man, for a recruit to come down and have and see and experience a whole weekend uh, of event before and after, like you said, the glorified practice. So it won't be so much of, you know, win loss type feel and people kind of being down and not going out or whatever. No, this is a celebration. And like you said, live performance, probably a halftime of the game. Anything to kind of capitalize on all of these celebrities coming in, like you said, all of this fans that's coming in. Because I, I experienced for myself so many people out on Pearls, Pearl Street in that area, uh, just kind of like on the outer skirts, not able to get into any restaurants. So that's money in people's hands that you're kind of sitting there. That's people that's wanting to be entertained. That's like, ah, I'm not able to get in. And then a lot of them going down the road to boat uh, to uh, to Denver, right? I'm thinking Coach Prime is thinking like I was thinking, and that is to have – sorry about that. And that is to have as much of an experience right there in Boulder as you can with all of those people and fanfare coming around. And I think he's going to put it off only, only in a way that only Prime can. A fashion show beforehand, uh, something for the boosters. So that's going to hopefully increase that bottom line, you know, recruiting money, NIL money, whatever it is, with those boosters. Then I'm sure you're going to have things for the family and that fan experience. So entertainment during the game, big time weekend for Coach Prime, great for recruiting. And they're doing right by holding off to bring those recruit, recruits in during that time, let them see that and experience that. Yeah, definitely. Even you look at this last weekend, the Waste Management Open is a big golf tournament in Phoenix. And I've been to that event a couple of times. I'm telling you, like 60% of the people – in there do not care about golf they're there for the party but they're spending a lot of money to your point uh the more people you can get excited about what's happening with coach prime even if they're not diehard football fans that are going to sit there in the stands and dissect uh, you know the second string cornerback that, that gave up uh you know a, a post route they're they're still going to be in boulder spending money if there's a reason for them to be in boulder so so definitely maximize it as much as you can yep business move smart move marketing move by the one and only, the master of it so far. That's Coach Prime. Well, shoot, since 89 when he signed the dotted line. <laughs> so, in more news, speaking of a good friend of Coach Prime, Coach Sapp coming to see you has been confirmed. Um, did I have that one teed up? But, yeah, he said on DNVR show that he is coming in March as a grad assistant. And that's right into kind of like what, I expected what I was looking to have him come in as, as a grad assistant rather than a whole title as a defensive line coach or a defensive coordinator. Let him come in, get his feet wet, uh, coaching college football. Uh, he's excited about it, but it is a lifestyle change in my opinion. I think that you're going to have to kind of pivot from being just a celebrity Warren Sapp to now being the coach mentor Warren Sapp, and I'm on campus every day. I'm getting up and I'm doing this every day. I'm right back in the football mode, which I'm sure all he has to do is hit a switch, and he's he's on that and get his mind right. And um, and I think in the future he'll realize whether he wants to stay on the grad assistant level or assistant deep defensive line coach. 
or kind of take it by the, you know, the bull by the horns, I guess, and become a, a real position coach uh, throughout the year, a full-time position coach. And uh, But he's joining the staff in March, and then that way they can work their way up to the spring game as such. How do you feel about Warren Sapp uh, making that announcement? Now it's confirmed that he should be there in March doing his thing. I mean, to get – Somebody like Warren Sapp as a graduate assistant, I mean, that, that's a coup. That's that's pretty incredible. Uh, yeah, it'd be tough to sell Warren Sapp being your full-time defensive line coach, having to go on the road and recruit without having the experience of doing all that. So this gives him an opportunity to come in and see if this is for him because you hear graduate assistant, it doesn't sound like that intense of a position, but those guys really grind. They really work. And you could you can speak to this better than I can, Chico, since you play college football. But it seems like college players have different relationships with different people on the staff. And I think it's great with the dynamic of being able to, to get coached hard on the field. And then as we heard, and this kind of led to Warren Sapp wanting to have this position was, he was in the hot tub after practice, and he just started talking with guys, going over pass rush moves, going over things that he had learned in the NFL. And so it's an extension of the coaching staff in those areas where, uh, you know, the, the defensive line coach at that South Sanzeri in 2024, that he's not going to have the same impact on, on these young men. And so, so the the little I, I was around Warren Sapp when he was out in Boulder last year, he, he's a big kid with a, a big personality. And so I think that the guys on the team – naturally gravitated towards him and that will continue to be the case uh, if you want to advance in coaching you got to put in those hours there's no real way around that and so time will tell with that as we look at 2024 him being in that role it seems like a perfect fit who do you feel like can possibly benefit the most on that defensive line from warren sap coming in probably the younger guys that are on the roster um, not to say that, you know, a Shane Cokes can't take a whole lot from him uh, in terms of what, what he learned from his experience in the NFL. But, uh, you know, I think once those younger guys get past being an R, or maybe they're not, maybe because unlike me, maybe they didn't grow up watching Warren Sapp. I sure would imagine that they've heard a lot about him because he he was a legend. Uh, but, yeah, I, I and I think anybody on that defensive line will, will benefit from him. It will be pretty position specific though I would imagine um or, or maybe Warren Sapp surprises us and he is you know uh doling out knowledge to to secondary members as well we'll see uh but no it's 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 a good deal for Colorado yeah I, I think he's one of those guys that want to specifically hone in on those defensive tackles and defensive lines guys who 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 are doing the same thing that he had to do and where he can directly teach them some type techniques hand placements and such so that, um, you know, he can see that results like that from those defensive tackles, Amari McNeil, Chidozi Wankwo, um, and, and so on. I think they will love the addition that uh, Warren Sapp bring uh, on that defensive line. And I think with the addition of Sapp and then you bring in a new defensive coordinator from the NFL, Robert Livingston, he's coming in over from uh, the Bengals after nine seasons, eight in the, the secondary. He's a young guy, like you said. We spoke of, and like you said, you spoke of uh, being young enough or old enough to watch Warren Sapp play. This guy here is young enough or old enough to have been a fan of Warren Sapp and watching him play. So I'm sure he'll welcome 
the addition of having Warren Sapp as a grad assistant on your staff. Yes, I'll take that. So with Livingston coming in, uh, what are some things that you see him bringing to Colorado football? Well, he's learned under one of the, the best defensive minds in, in football in the universe the last few years. And not just the last few years, throughout his tenure at Cincinnati, they've had some really talented defensive coordinators come through there. And so it's it's his opportunity. Now the hesitation comes in, okay, he has not called a defense before and he's been in the NFL for uh, the last 12, 13 years and, and only has two years of college experience. So that's the, that's the part that, that makes you go, let's take a wait and see approach with it. But uh, the more I've heard about Robert Livingston since he was hired, and I'll admit I was not aware of who he was when his name first emerged as a candidate for the job, uh, because you're, if you're, if you're not deep into the NFL, you, you're, you don't, you can't name a whole lot of safeties coaches in the league, but right. since that time you do digging uh, and you reach out to folks and the, the feedback that's come back is that this is a, uh, you know, an opportunity that should have come along earlier in, in Livingston's career. And, I'm anxious to find out, has he turned down some other gigs? Because he made it seem like when he was talking to Mark Johnson that it really was about the right situation. He wasn't going to just leave the Bengals for any job. And so he, he obviously said that being a coordinator for Coach Prime and, and being in Boulder was an opportunity he can turn down. And he's got some connections to, to some folks that uh, have familiarity with, with Boulder, including Vance Joseph. Uh, and maybe that helped a little bit with his familiarity with Colorado. In terms of our analysis of him, it is – a little bit unknown just because he has not been in the college game all that long. Uh, there was something that happened with those conversations with coach prime in the interview that made him emerge as a guy that coach prime wanted to hire. And so I'm anxious for our next opportunity as media to talk to coach prime, to get a little bit more insight into exactly what it was during those conversations that, that made him stand out. But his reputation is really solid and his development of guys at the safety position at Cincinnati was, was pretty much elite, you know, based on what, he got out of those guys and, and got a couple of those guys big money. Uh, you know, obviously they have a lot of talent, but he was able to uh, bring that talent out of them as their their position coach. So uh, I'm excited. I, I I like the personality that we saw in, in the one glimpse we've seen with him in the media since he got out to Colorado and, and anxious to find out more about him. Uh, what what about you, Chico? Did, yeah. did, what are your thoughts on the hire? Well, shouts out to the voice of the buff, Mark Johnson. I saw him interview. Uh, the D.C. Robert Livingston, they did a good interview uh, with him. He was very insightful on that. I think that Coach Prime is all about relationships. And I've said this before. I think that he was probably a recommendation from uh, uh, Coach Zimmer, who Coach Prime loves and who he was coached by. And maybe Coach Zimmer, who we just saw coaching the – was it the, the pro – was it? No, the Polynesian Bowl out here. He was coaching the Polynesian Bowl. And maybe he feels like – you know, he's just not up for it after his long career and being his age. He might not be up for being a defensive coordinator right now, but he can recommend the guy that has learned under him and other great defensive minds, like you say, even Marvin Lewis, learned under him and um, recommended this guy as being, you know, a, a up-and-coming young coach who they can say, hey, he's coming up in – kind of like my light, kind of like my uh, my feeder program, so to speak. You know what I'm saying? So <laughs> he has the same philosophies I would think that Coach Zimmer has, and that that's something that Coach Prime can lean on and say, okay, I can trust the fact that 
um, he's in that mold of Coach Zimmer. And, you know, I think he was able to give him a chance because he was looking for somebody to come from the league with a long tenure, but also young enough to have that fire and to relate to the players on the defense side of the ball and bring in an NFL-type culture. And he's going to be working directly with Shiloh and the safeties back there. I think that's a, that's a plus, all pluses for Coach Prime. The fact that he's never called a game before, I don't think it's going to be an issue um, coming from back there in the safety spot. He worked with some pros, all pros, uh, Reggie Nelson, uh, the, the Killer Bees, uh, Jesse Bates and Bell back there causing turnovers. So it's all about the report from the players, I think, and I and the players loved him. Uh, heard some comments from Pac-Man Jones, and also I could tee up right here. I, I posted on my page a comment from former Bengal, 10-year veteran, uh, brother of mine from my hometown, Michael Johnson. Let me see if I can play this, let you uh, hear his comments. Let me know in the con- comments section and chat what y'all think about this, and I'll get your response also, Adam. I'm, I'm going to play this for you right here from the former defensive end for the Bengals. The Bungles, as uh, Chris Berman used to say. Don't get on me, Bengals fans. Don't get on me. Don't grab me, Mike, when you see me because I said the Bungles. But this is when they was good. When they were in their heyday, when they was busting heads out there, Chad Johnson, Ocho Cinco was out there doing his thing. That defense was stepping up. Uh, Reggie Nelson was back there cracking heads. You know, Mike in that defense. Jason, big Jason Smith was out there too, man. Come on, man. Hoosman Zada, they had a squad out there. But do Williams and them, Pac-Man Jones and them. Come on, dog. Well, yeah. Uh, what's up, dog? Um, I met Rob in, I think, 2012. I think he got there in 2012. That was my, my fourth year. My contract, yeah, actually. And, uh, you know, he came in on the – Mike Zimmer was our D coordinator. Uh, Coach Zimmer also worked with with Coach Prime at at Jackson State after he left the Vikings. And his son, R.I.P. Adam Zimmer, was also, you know, there as well. He was, he was, he was with us as well. So, uh, Rob came in under, under Coach Zimmer, as, who was our defensive coordinator at the time. Uh, Coach Lewis as well, defensive-minded head coach. Uh, and then he was on the coach, uh, Coach Polly Gunther, who, you know, was our defense coordinator. When he left us, he went to Oakland. So Rob's been on to some, some, some solid guys. Uh, he was part of our defense that was, like, number two in scoring in the league. So that's some, some comments from Mike Johnson right there. He's part of that defense, number two scoring in the league. You remember when the Bengals were pretty good uh, years ago. Uh, what, like nine, ten, ten? Yeah, a few years ago when Carson Palmer and all of those guys were in there. I think this guy's coming in. He's going to be ready to go, man. What you think, Adam? Yeah, no, I, it's funny you mentioned Mike Zimmer, too, because if he didn't get hired as the Dallas Cowboys' new defensive coordinator, maybe there's a chance he's in Boulder right now instead of Robert Livingston. And certainly that would have drawn more headlines, but. There's no guarantee. Certainly Mike Zimmer has a longer resume uh, and has done it for, for a long period of time. But well, hold on, you hold on. What, you don't know what the right fit is. Yeah, what's up? Did I miss that news? So Coach Zimmer is going to the Cowboys? Yeah, he's going to be their defensive coordinator. Yep. Okay, all right, all right. I, I guess yeah. I missed that news. So with him going, like you say, he could have been in Boulder. But all in all, I, I still think Coach Prime wanted somebody younger. And Coach Zimmer, you know, had to take that opportunity with the Cowboys, go help out Coach uh, uh, McCarthy out there with the Cowboys. So 
Yeah, that's good. That's some news to me right there. I guess I didn't have my ear to the street enough on that one right there. <laughs> but the the funny thing is, we we now especially we're doing a podcast, and and it's hard to avoid it because you want to have an opinion, but we want to speak in certainty when they make these hires that Robert Livingston is this or that, and it's like, yeah. you know, we, yeah, we can sit here and have this debate for the next ten hours if we want to, but. Does anybody 100% know how successful this is going to be? Does any would if they hired Mike Zimmer? Does anybody know with 100% certainty how successful that would be? So, as the head coach, and 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 this is one of the tougher jobs that Coach Prime has is having that intuition of what his players and what his program need. And so, having a longer search process does that mean that he got told no a couple times, or was it more of a situation that? he was further you know vetting these situations and didn't want to be in a rush because he didn't want to make a wrong hire i mean uh, we saw with the oc situation last year you can hire a really really bright well-respected coach but if it just doesn't fit and you're trying to put a square peg through a round hole it's just not going to work and so uh maybe that would play part of it as well and again I'm, I'm really anxious to the next opportunity we get with coach prime as a traditional media just to be able to say what what happened in those interviews that, that made Robert Livingston stand out. I think you saw a glimpse of it when he was talking to Mark Johnson. He uh, he came across really well in that five minute interview. But again, as we sit here uh, in, in early February without any practices under him, we're, we're more basing it off his resume, which is good, but it doesn't have that defense coordinating experience in the past. So it, it to me, it really is a wait and see situation. And I would take an optimistic lens if I was a Colorado fan. Why not? It'd be miserable just to uh, be negative all the time. I think that, um, you know, there were reasons to be a little bit concerned about even Charles Kelly coming in in last year. Um, and so uh, Livingston could end up being so successful he's poached away in a year. You just It's hard to know what, what the future is going to tell. Uh, I like a lot of the aspects of, about him, despite the fact that he's not called a defense in college before. Yeah, uh, we saw him say in the interview with Mark Johnson that he has a connection with uh, the offensive coordinator, Coach Shermer. Also, um, although he doesn't have the experience that Shermer has, you know, I still think he has the opportunity to 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 prove. But you have to start somewhere. Though. Everybody don't come in with experience. You have to start somewhere. And uh, here's his start. But the guy on the other side with that all that experience, Coach Shermer, um, has been getting some praise from Shadur Sanders in a way and Shadur also shared some insight on the offense from last year as um he was on an interview during Super Bowl week of course a uh, media day I guess with uh DNVR in an exclusive interview where he said uh let me see if I can quote it right here he said I don't need to I don't need this to be a dig or a post route you get what I'm saying because then I'm wondering if I'm seeing it right what type of ball is it going to be is it too many it's too many variables I don't like having all the all those all them variables. I like this in in you know basically he's saying reading these comments and listening to him. I wish I had it queued up so he could speak for himself. But he basically said that last year's offense was a lot of option routes. And me coming from I played the slot in the tight end. You run a lot of option routes. It's it's is not easy to cover from a defensive standpoint, but also from an offensive standpoint, you have to be on the same page as your quarterback and if you're not if there's any type of hitch hesitation in there that timing can be off that can lead to a sack interception incomplete pass or whatever 
the whole concept is, you know, you're, you're waiting to see. Are you trying to be on the same page as the wide receiver? If there's any hitch in that, then that's going to, you know, hurt the timing of the whole entire offense and could lead to you getting a lot of sacks, which is the situation we saw Shadur Sanders in last year. He would rather it be a definite offense and let his let himself trust his eyes and what he sees and read the defense from what it is and not have to depend on the wide receiver to be on the same page as him. How do you feel about Shadur Sanders' comments and what he said to DNVR? Um, I, like I said, I think he's right on. I think it's going to help this offense. And uh, you got to trust Shadur Sanders more than trying to make him fit into a system. What do you feel, Adam? Well, first off, shout out to the DNVR guys because they did a great job out in Vegas. They, they had some good interviews. And the Shadur Sanders interview, uh, I really enjoyed because – after Colorado made the change in offensive play callers last season, I got asked to do a lot of radio interviews afterwards. So I was digging and I was reaching out to every source that I had. And what kept coming back to me was pretty simple. It was, it just did not mesh with Shadour and Sean Lewis. And, and they had different philosophies in terms of uh, the offense that they wanted to run. And uh, I didn't know the specifics until Shadour kind of talked about the choice routes and, and, it's not to say that that can't be extremely successful at the college level because um, you can gain an advantage from the defense if you have players that are executing it properly. But you look at Sean Lewis, his first his record his first year at Kent State was two and ten. I think it takes time to build continuity if you're going to give receivers options with the route that they're going to run. And once you have that system in place, you have the older receivers, the older tight ends that are teaching younger guys about it. And there's this extension of the coaching staff that is getting it right. It's tough. And it makes sense now when you think back. Now, certainly there were times where Shadour uh, had no time in the pocket at all. You, you think back to the UCLA game, he wasn't even getting to his first option. It really probably in certain games didn't really matter the, the choice routes or not. He probably wasn't going to get even to that. Uh, first option, even if he knew uh, with 100% certainty the route that receiver was 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 running because it was rough sledding with that old line at times. But in some of those circumstances, there did seem to be a, a slight hesitation with Shador where he's kind of trying to figure things out. And uh, only he can tell you the percentage of times that that actually was an issue. But he mentioned in that interview that sometimes it was, a, you know, half a second that that you have to then figure out. And half a second in football terms in the pocket when you got 300 pounders running at you, that's yeah. a long, that that's, uh, you know, that that's, that's too much time to be thinking. Uh, so it, it was hard to tell specifically what Pat Shermer did differently because you can't implement a whole new offense with four games left in the schedule, but mm -hmm. there just seemed to be a, a touch more comfortability with Shadour in those four games. And, uh, in, until he got knocked out, obviously, uh, in the Washington State game. Um, and by that point, I mean, the, the, the O-line had just completely lost confidence in Colorado. There there wasn't a, a path for Pat Shermer to, to be successful as a play caller in November, I don't think. Uh, but there, there were a few moments in there where you go, okay, I, I saw a little bit difference in terms of less hesitation. And so Shador Sanders coming out and kind of explaining that. Uh, I'm glad he did that because it, it gives all of us a little bit more insight into what was going on. We know that Sean Lewis is a good coach. He's probably going to go to San Diego State and do really well. But there, 
San Diego, California pipeline, you're going to recruit more high school. You want to have choice routes for you, for your, you know, personnel on offense. And you develop that over time. It's probably going to be pretty successful, but when you're a program that is bringing in guys from the transfer portal and, and has a pro quarterback behind center, that's not the system. That's not the, the philosophy you probably want to have as an offense. Exactly right. That's why you want to bring in that pro style uh, offensive coordinator and run it like a pro style. He had success with um, shoot, Sam Bradford, uh, Donovan McNabb, and a few other quarterbacks. When he had good quarterbacks, he, were, he was able to be successful. Uh, that's Coach Pat Shermer. I think Shadur Sanders will be in a situation this year where he can use that anticipation like a pro quarterback and throw guys open based off of what he's seeing pre-snap. I, I think that goes right along with what he was saying uh, in this quote right here where he said, there were a lot of times last year we had choice routes to where it messed it messed it up. I can't anticipate anything. So now I have second holding it, <clears throat> excuse me, holding it longer, but I never blamed anything on the lineman because there was always something I could have done better. You know, he's putting some blame on himself also for holding the ball or, you know, maybe not trusting the receiver or whatever, but all in all, that goes back to the system. If that's not a part of the system, if that's not what we're dependent on, um, and we're more dependent on him, like he said, put it on him and let him make the mistakes, you know, rather than, you know, this receiver coming in, that receiver now, are they prepared as much as Shadur is? Are they on the same page? Are we seeing the same thing pre-snap and after the snap? You know, they can show cover two, but then roll to one, that's going to change that, that, that route up from a seam route to a dig route, from a dig to a seam, from a post to a seven route. It could change up based off the coverage that you see. But if we're in a, a different system where it's more definite and we know that uh, based off the coverage, it's not going to be a go route anymore. It's going to be a hitch now. Not not a hitch or, or a slant or a curl. It's going to be a hitch or a go. We know on the inside, based off this coverage, it's going to be – it's more. It's just going to be a more uh, uh, confident and sure about himself offense that we'll see uh, Shadur Sanders uh, uh, and and Coach Pat Shermer field this year. I think out on the field for the Buffs. So I, I do yeah. think take a lot of lot of um, notes from what we saw in the Super Bowl from the Chiefs <laughs> offense and the 49ers offense. Just switching things up side to side, jet sweeps and here and there, and just keeping the defense on their heels. Andy Reid is a wizard, isn't he? Uh, some of those play calls. It, it, it just knowing in part of being a, an excellent play caller is just not knowing how to exploit defense, but it's also knowing the timing of things. And uh, he, he's he's pretty incredible there. Uh, one more thing with Pat Shermer that I'd throw in there, if you're looking for some optimism with him as a play caller, look at what Ryan Staub did against Utah. Yeah, it wasn't uh, – his numbers didn't jump off the box score, but – he played pretty solid football, and that was Pat Shermer getting this true freshman quarterback ready on short notice against a really good team in a tough road environment. It was pretty darn cold out there at Utah that day, and I thought he played pretty well. So I was encouraged with Pat Shermer, kind of his development skills by seeing him putting Ryan Staub in a position to, to have the, the, the ability to have success in that game. Now, they didn't win the game, but – yeah, you know, and I, I don't want to say the guys were checked out at that point, but it, it was rough sliding down the stretch. I, I, I think 
I don't know. I, I can't speak for everybody. I, I know as a media member, I was ready for that season to end just because it was tough watching that old line play down, you know, especially down the stretch. And it was, it was like, let's get to the off season. Let's get to the part where they bring in better players, which of course happened. And, and, but that, that seeing what Ryan Staub did against Utah was like, okay, Pat Shermer, I, I see you. Right. Right. And, and shouts out to the um, new guys on their offensive line. Who's come in from Khalil Benson to Jordan Seaton to mayors to uh Kerry Walker to big Tyler Johnson, all of the guys, Cash Cleveland, shout out to them. Um, but you explained that well, so I guess that'll take us to right into our next segment. Adam explains, Adam explains the 2025 senior recruiting outlook. And uh, me personally, and I said openly, I don't look too much until the future and the recruiting because I know things change so much, but this is right uh, up your alley right here where you can explain what's going on in the recruiting cycle and any um, updates or outlooks that we should have. Yeah, you, you you get past the regular signing period for the class of 2024 or whatever year that is, and then the next day you you, you kind of look look ahead already. That's how accelerated the calendar is. And that's me covering it. Now the coaches have really been uh, looking ahead to the future, and that's what they did. I explained on our last show the accelerated recruiting timetable and how – it used to be in the spring where you'd send out offers to the next class, which in this case is the 2025 class. Now it's so accelerated that you've identified who a lot of your top 2025 guys are. Now there's going to be, especially in football, guys develop a little bit later sometimes. And so you'll still have those offers that, that will go out through the spring and the summer and even sometimes during the fall. But you, you kind of have a, a recruiting board at this point, whereas, you know, 15 years ago, you'd just be starting that process. And so they only ended up signing seven high school players in the 2024 class. I'm hearing that you can expect that number to be in the 10 to 15 range in terms of 2025 recruits that they plan to sign. So it's going to be bigger than what they did in terms of signing high school players with the 2024 class, but it will still be very small when you compare it to a lot of other power four programs nationally. And uh, I mentioned earlier, unlike last year where they had the elite underclassmen weekend in late January, and it was pretty darn cold that weekend, they've decided that they're going to have more recruits and kind of put more of the, the focus on hosting 2025 recruits during uh, the, the spring period when they have practices and, and get out a lot of guys for the spring game on April 27th. And it sounds like with, with the event that they're going to make it, that that's a great uh, idea now you're always it's uh it's uh, a crapshoot in terms of the weather in, in late april usually may is when it kind of really officially turns here in terms of you don't you're not quite as much worried about snow you might occasionally get a snow uh in may but your chances of having better weather uh, having good weather in in late april are better than uh like last year when they hosted the event in late january five-star quarterback julian lewis from Carrollton, Georgia, is one guy to keep an eye on in the 2025 class. He's a five-star, like I mentioned, and he's been committed to USC for a while, but he took a visit to Boulder unofficial trip in January. And it sounds like Colorado's right in the mix there with USC, Georgia, the in-state program uh, that, that seems to be competing for national championships every year. Uh, it's going to be tough to win that battle, but Colorado is right in the mix there. Montrez Walker, also from Georgia, just named CU in his list of top five schools 
yesterday. And uh, so th they've gotten a good start there. Jordan Davidson, one of the top running backs in the country, he's out of California, was out at that elite underclassman weekend last year. And he came back out for the USC game as an unofficial visitor. He's a guy to keep an eye on. This is a guy that uh, pretty much everybody in, in the country is after Ohio State, Oregon, Texas, Texas A&M. And one other guy I want to mention here is Andrew Marsh, uh, a receiver out of Texas who took an unofficial visit to, to Colorado in November. And it seemed like the Buffs made a pretty strong impression on him. He's looking around quite a bit uh, at, at other schools at this point. But they've done a good job of kind of getting uh, early attention. But it is it is still early, even though it's gotten an accelerated process. We've already seen Winston Watkins reopen his recruitment. He was a, an early 2025 pledge. And uh, John Maurice Wilder was committed. Colorado decided to go in, in a different direction. So it's all kind of fluid at this point. But uh, it's it's kind of uh, it's fun to learn about these new recruits because then you get new tape to, to pour over. And uh, uh, so and Chico, there, there were many years – where Colorado didn't sign a blue chip recruit. And uh, I'm, you know, watching film with three-star guys going, okay, I don't really see it, but I'm not going to dog a high school kid until he comes on campus and uh, he proves that he's not willing to play at this level. I don't have to do that anymore. The, the right. guys that Coach Prime is looking at, again, quality over quantity with high school recruiting. It's uh, it's incredible to put on the highlights. I, I put together, I, I called it an ultimate highlight reel of the 2024 guys and, that's about as fun a project as I've done in a very long time, just because of how talented those guys are. And some of them will have to come in, get in the incubator and develop a little bit, but uh, there's some instant playmakers, I think in this class too. And Michael Welch was uh, criminally underrated, I think as a three-star guy and is uh, somebody that I love watching his film. He, he's got the dog in him. He's kind of a bowling ball type back. So uh yeah. Excited. I, it was it was fun to take that final look back at 2024 recruiting. Definitely. Um, I like that. I appreciate that breakdown and everybody's learning more about the 2025 class. I'll sneak this in. All right. I'll sneak this one right here. And let me add it to the stage. Uh, a, a class of 2026 guy that Colorado has already offered. Um, and this is a quarterback at Thurgood Marshall High School, Missouri City, Texas, six foot six. 220 pounds. I guess this would be my big dog spotlight for recruits. All right. So class of 2026. And he's already been uh, working with select QBs. Of course, the quarterback coach that Shadur Sanders worked with. Uh, three three sport athlete, football, basketball, and track 5.0 GPA. AP, how do you do that? But he is the son of former NFL player Spencer Johnson, as you see right here. Spencer played defensive tackle for the Buffalo Bills and the Minnesota Vikings. And also, uh, he came from uh, Auburn University. So I'm a small town in Alabama. I know him. So this is a little biased shout out. But the guy is a baller. Like I said, six foot six, already offered by CU. What they were doing before saying. And I'll play this without the audio, just to see some of his movement right here, the big fella. KK, Caden Johnson. And you got to get in on those quarterbacks early because they're usually the first off the board now. There, there's, you know, the the top programs are usually only going to take one in a class. And so guys want to get their, their reservation uh, made. And not only that, you know, the quarterbacks are now as about as valuable a recruiter as a lot of the assistant coaches on the staff, because uh, they're asked, especially if they have a charismatic personality to get out there and try to recruit other top players to join them where, where they, wherever they decide to commit. So 2026, I, 
I think they've even offered uh, some 2027 recruits. So you, you got to get out there early, especially with, with those quarterbacks. Yeah, you made a good point there because if you can get a quarterback who can now recruit because they know who the good players are. Yeah. If they can now recruit, you know, guys from their high school, uh, guys they played against, uh, even those 707 guys, because a lot of the best guys in the state come together and play 707 football together. And so they get to know each other and know what, what they can do. And now they can kind of pull and say, hey, coach, I think you need to look for this guy. I think you need to look for that guy. And uh, that's exactly what it is. Like you said, get those quarterbacks in early, and now they can make those recruiting calls. And I think it'll help with him wearing this black and gold right here. <laughs> <In Huntsville. laughs> so big guy, six foot six, 200 plus pounds already. And uh, he ready to go. So that's my little spotlight right there. Uh, I thought about it when you said that. And I said, well, let me see what class he's in. He's 2026, not 2025, but we can still spotlight him right quick. 2K, Caden Johnson out of Missouri City, Texas. Uh, keep a lookout for him. All right. That's a quick little spotlight. All right, Adam, last segment right here is going to talk about what sold out in minutes. Coach Prime's shoes. I'm not going to call him anything. I'm just going to say Coach Prime's shoes. And I'm going to see in the comments, what did you guys call these shoes? Because Coach Prime posted it on his Instagram and asked that question. What did you call these shoes? Um, I don't know if they were popular in every neighborhood or community, whatever. But in mine, <laughs> I wanted these things so bad. I think I had one pair, and that, it was those right there, the standard ones, I guess. But we called them the Dion's. These were the Dion's. I know there was Diamond Turf, Nikes, and this, that, and the other. Uh, had a fire logo on it with the diamond turf, the plate, and the field, the uh, the goalposts. But we called them the Dion's. What did you call them? I don't even. I, I played basketball growing up, so I'm not too familiar with with, with those shoes. Uh, the shoes that I really wanted, Chico, as a kid growing up, was the the Reebok pumps. When D Brown won the dunk contest in 1990, before he did he did that, he, yeah. he pumped up his shoes. Yep. I begged my mom relentlessly, and we just weren't going to spend a hundred bucks on on a pair of shoes. So now, as I'm older, and my sister works for Nike, and I, I get a nice little family discount, I, nice. I I love I love being able to just walk in there and know that I can buy any shoe I want. You know, I'm not going to buy multiple shoes. I'm going to be responsible. But man, I love the fact that now that uh, and even the 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 Nike Airs coming back in style and, and stuff from my 90s that I couldn't afford that my parents wouldn't buy for me now that I get to to throw in my closet. And so, uh, yeah, no, I, I love the, 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 all those 90s trends are, are coming back, especially from, from the shoe game. Yeah. All right. In the chat, let's see what y'all called them in the chat. Go ahead, get them in there. I see one person say them, those, those pumps was heavy. <laughs> <laughs> Were they heavy back then? I remember Andre Agassi had some too, right? They, they weren't actually all that good for performance, to be totally honest with you. <laughs> it was more about the having a, the tennis ball or the basketball on the front where you can say, yeah. I pump my yeah. shoes up, you know, I pump my shoes up. And then came along a lot with the with the Nike Air, with the air bubble in the back, like you can see on these shoes right here. But the Dion, man, that's what I wanted. Uh, the first ones, I think the first ones was before the Flames with the strap on them. We've seen Coach Prime uh, in pictures with those two. But yes, you're right. Um, I couldn't get every pair. You know, I had to make decisions on what I wanted to get that year for Christmas or whatever. 
<laughs> and uh, later on, I decided to make uh, more economical uh, or uh, uh, decisions by getting Chuck Taylors, getting multiple pairs of Chuck Taylors rather than one pair of Nikes. That was my thing. <laughs> so we see them right here. The one in, in the middle with the strap on it was one of my favorites. But we're going to see. The bottom, bottom right is my favorite. Bottom right with the gold. Yeah. Yeah, man. We're going to see the team having, I guess, players have their choice on what they're going to wear based off the uniforms we have on. So I can imagine uh, with the black uniforms and the gold numbers, you have the cleats to match the gold cleats down with the gold bottoms down there. With the black and white jerseys, you got the cleats to match. With the all whites, you got those. The all whites with the gold numbers, you got those to match down there. Uh, which ones would you pick? I guess you already told me your answer. Which ones would you pick if you were playing? Yeah, bottom right. Bottom like right. I, I'm the guy that would always risk. It's from that from that Bad picture. Ass. It looks like they've got uh, they're not quite as high either. And I, I'm always the one that's willing to risk my ankles to have a little bit of a lower shoe. But yeah, no, they're they're all awesome. Like mentioned, they they can't compete with the blue bloods in college football from an NI collective standpoint, but. All of this stuff, stuff like this, it, it really drives up uh, the, the cool factor for Colorado with, with these recruits. Yes, sir. And I think that, once again, that cool factor is what um, a lot of recruits look at and want to come be a part of for whatever reason. And Coach Prime has given them a lot of reasons from the events, from uh, spring game, from the appearances, whether it's on TV shows, interviews, Super Bowl, uh fashion shows, whatever it is, Coach Prime has some type of connection with the NFL, NFL coaches, atmosphere, and so on. Everything surrounding it, uh, I think, is is looking and, and it's on the up and up for recruits coming in, only to get better and better for CU. So, hey, man, we're looking forward to what's coming. Uh, we got more buff, buff them updates coming each and every week at least. We'll try to bring it to you guys and um, – just come through and have a conversation about what's going on with the Colorado Buffaloes, myself and Adam. Adam, anything you want to leave us with? Well, I want to know, is there somebody that gets announced that's going to be performing at the CU spring game that, that would get you on a plane, playing out to Boulder? Is For, for is, the spring game. Oh, they don't, oh, you want to know for real? Yeah. <laughs> Coach Prime performing must be the money. <laughs> <laughs> that would be awesome no nah, i'll come there hey i'll come there you know if no one is performing i'm i'm, I'm trying to okay. get it. so but i just thought about that when you asked man what if coach pride perform <laughs> that'll be a spectacle where people hey people will be getting on him about that but it would be some people some of us that'll love it but has he know. performed that since he did it on snl back in the day right back in the day on snl from only thing i remember i don't know if he's performed it any other time since uh the closest probably been on i uh, just saw a clip on well off media or reach the people media where he was at at some type of super bowl super bowl event and they played the song and they mixed it in with the kind of an updated version and he said oh man maybe we need to re-release re that so they re-released the shoes maybe you can re-release the song with the updated beat and uh tempo and hey that'll be kind of fly right there that would not hurt recruiting, I can tell you that. <laughs> that would not hurt recruiting, but uh, all in all, man, shoot. Little Wayne performing again. Uh, shoot, you, you can't go too much further up from Little Wayne. Right. 
know, <laughs> everything else gonna be underneath you unless you go Jay Z and Beyonce, Rihanna, or somebody. Snoop, but, Snoop Dogg hasn't made it out to Boulder yet, I don't think. Shouts out to the big dog, Snoop Dogg. Snoop, Uncle Snoop, you gotta come to Boulder. Coach Prime said he smelt the the, the stuff in the air. He even told, oh, <laughs> he even told some of the people in Vegas during the interview. Hey, dog, listen up. I smell it in the air. It's kids out here. Put it out. Put it out of respect to kids. But uh, in Boulder, Snoop is legal. That would be a, a match made in heaven. Boulder and Snoop Dogg. <laughs> uh, and we're, 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 yeah. And everybody knows what we're talking about. Yep. <laughs> everybody knows what we're talking about. Somebody said, Chico, you didn't answer the question. Coming to Boulder. Hey, hey, I, I got a couple more conversations to have, and then I'll know whether I'm coming to Boulder or not. But uh, definitely planning on on doing it right now. That's right. It's a tough time right uh, this year, but um, I'm planning on it to get in there to Boulder. So, you know, if I am, you'll see a lot of announcements, and you'll see a buff them updates live from Boulder, Colorado. Yes, definitely. <laughs> All right. So, hey, this has been another episode of Buff Em Updates. Myself. Uh, with my main man Adam, aka Cheese Cat, Ziz the Big Dog. Um, anything else, y'all leave it in the chat and we'll get to it. Hit us up on Twitter, Adam. Let them know where to follow you at, and uh, also see all of uh, any posts and um, and things that you put out there on the internet. What's the website and such? Home base is buffstampede.com. We're part of the 24 7 Sports Network, owned by CBS, and on Twitter, slash X at AdamCM777. On Twitter slash X, and also you can catch me on Twitter slash X uh, at Chico Cleveland. I also have a Big Dog Chico show page. Check that out also on Facebook, Big Dog Chico Sports Talk, and also Instagram, Big Dog underscore Chico. Get with us and let us know uh, any topics that we should be covering next week. Until then, buff them updates, buff them updates with Adam and Chico. We're going to be up and about this thing. Peace in the Middle East. Yeah.